Praise the Lord, somebody. Come on, talk back to me. Praise the Lord, somebody. All right, I like that. Our scripture lesson for today comes out of St. John chapter 14 and verse 12. We find these words, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater works than these shall he do. I want to talk to you for a few minutes around the title, Take the Limit Off of God. Take the limit off of God. Our scripture text tells us that because of Christ and because of his uh, uh, position in the Lord that we have a right to approach the throne and dare God to do great and wonderful things for us. The scripture says that uh, Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works that I do, Greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. Meaning that because we believe in him and he is in us, that we have power of attorney. How many know what power of attorney is? It means that you are the one in charge. It means that you are the one who makes the decisions. And Christ wants us to know because he died for us and because he now sits at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for you and me that we have power of attorney. We have the authority to speak those things that be not as though they were. We have the authority to command God to move on our behalf. We have the authority to trust God for any and everything that we need him to do. Sermon title said, take the limit off of God. We're used to limits because in our day-to-day lives, we are faced with limits all day, every day. When you go to your job, you have a certain amount of time that you can take lunch. You got a time that you have to be there. You got a time that you can take your break. Limits. When you drive up and down the road, There is such a thing called the speed limit. And it is set for us to keep us safe. But we all know most of us don't drive the speed limit. If we're going to be truthful. You know. But that and still, it's a limit. And even when you go go shopping, if you go into the department store, you go into a grocery store and there's a big sale. You know, the stores get concerned. They might run out of something. So they say, limit one per customer. How many of you experienced that? Of course you have. But today I want to challenge you to understand that there are no limits in God through Christ Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you today to take the limit off of God. Tell your neighbor sitting next to you, take the limit off of God. Now how many of you were here at the first service? Okay, now those of us who were here at the first service, we know that that is inept. So let's try that one more time. Let's say, take the limit off of God. Look at your neighbor. Take the limit off of God. Now those of us who were here at the first service know that we are getting there, but we haven't gotten there yet. So look at your neighbor and say, take the limit off of God. 
Now you might say, why are we doing that? Because listen, one of the things that I studied in the word of God is that iron does what? Sharpens what? Iron. We all know that, don't we? Okay, and since iron sharpens iron, when we speak to one another, we're sharpening each other. We're being prophetic. You're saying to your neighbor, you're saying to your neighbor, you're saying to your neighbor, take the limit off of God. Because God can do anything but fail. What an awesome God he is. What a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think or imagine or wonder. And when we speak to one another, we prophesy into each other's lives. We're sharpening each other. We're encouraging each other. Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he can do. Greater works than these. One of the other scriptures I looked at in relationship to this particular uh, lesson on today was a scripture in St. Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 13 when we're talking about the feeding of the 5,000. His disciples wonder, well, well Lord, uh, are we going to send the people away to go into the marketplace so they can buy bread? And Jesus said, no, let them sit. What do we have among us? And they came up with this thing that they had two fish and five loaves of bread. Now, whether the lad had it or whether they just found it in the bushes isn't important. It isn't important if it were two fish and five loaves. It could have been 10 fish and 20 loaves. That's not what's important. But what's important is when Jesus got a hold of it. When Jesus got it in his hands, he looked up to the heaven and he blessed it. There's something about looking up to the heaven. David said, David said, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help because my help cometh from the Lord. So Jesus, he takes these two fish and these five loaves of bread and he looks up to heaven and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave thanks for it. God is obligated to respond. And he gave it to his disciples and he told them, you know, take it among the people and feed them. God had to respond. And when he fed them, they didn't run out. Now, this is the one story that's in all four of the Gospels. And in one Gospel, they just talk about the 5,000. And another Gospel, they talk about the 5,000 plus women and children. But it doesn't matter whether they're 5,000 or whether they're 20,000. If God is going to work a miracle, he's going to work a miracle. If God is going to do something miraculous, he's going to do something miraculous. He doesn't need our permission. But what he wants us to do is approach him with boldness and say, Lord, we declare and we decree that this shall be. And when they fed the 5,000, they, at the end, they had over 12 baskets full of leftover fragments. Now imagine what God did with two fish and five loaves of bread, five pieces of pita bread, five bagels. I don't know what kind of bread it was, leaven, unleavened, leaven. It doesn't matter. But imagine what he could now do with the 12 baskets full that are left. 
Wow. Started with two fish and five pieces of bread, and now he's got 12 baskets full. Wow. How awesome is that? Now you can feed even 100,000, 300,000. If Jesus has it and he decides he wants to multiply it because God will hear him. That is the same kind of power and authority that he wants us to command. It's in us because Christ is in us. It's in us. Jesus declared. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Wow. What it would be like if you connected to you, connected to you, connected to you, and we went all around this room connecting on one accord and having singleness of mind and everybody's thoughts are, are on God's power and God moving, what we can do as a body of people, what we could do Hallelujah for people who are hungry, for people who are starving, for people who are sick, for people who don't know how they're going to survive, for people who are losing their minds, for people who've given up and thrown their towel, for people who've had wealth and all of a sudden it's just gone and, and they're ready to kill themselves. Imagine what we could do. Imagine if we all trusted God and if we all decided to believe that yes, Greater works I can do because Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for me and he hears my cry. He hears my prayers and my supplications. Oh God. Oh God. What an awesome God. We all know people who are sick. We know people who are, who are battling with cancer and the doctors have said, oh, it's, it's too late. You only have a short time. We know people who are depressed. We know people who are going through. We know people who, who have lost their minds. We know people who have had and have had and have had. And now that it's all taken away, they desire not to live. We all know them. But there is power in you. And in you, and in you, through Christ Jesus, that can resurrect those who feel like they have been defeated. This kind doesn't come just because you say it so. There are three things that you have to consider if this is going to work in your lives. And I want you to write them down. Find a piece of paper and write them down because I want you to take the week and just dwell on it. And if you don't have paper, you know, get the tape. Okay? Because, you know, I, when, I, when I come here and when I go anywhere else for that matter, I, you know, I have a real hard time with writing sermons. And, you know, and I write this stuff out. And when I get up here, I can't even look at it because I want God to be seen and I want God to say what he desires to say. And he does not speak to me that his words will return unto him void. What he gives me, he sends it out to accomplish something specific in your life, in my life, and in the lives of people that we know. But if it's going to be effective, we have got to begin to trust God. And believe what he says. So point number one. 
You've got to believe in God. Hebrews 11, 6 says that the just shall live by faith. And that we have to believe that God is a rewarder of those who would diligently seek him. We've got to seek after God. The, the, the young adults saying, I'm chasing after you, Lord. God isn't going to chase after you. You're going to have to chase after him. And they, they say, Lord, I'm chasing after you. You've got to believe in God. And we can only believe because we have what? Faith. Point number one. Second, we have to believe in the work of Christ. Because those are our examples. Those are the things that we can look to when we dare to challenge God to move on our behalf. If Jesus can do it, and he said that I can do it because he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. Hey, I'm going to try it. I'm, I got enough faith to say, okay, call me radical, call me crazy, I don't care. But I believe that when I access the throne of God by faith, God is obligated to do what I ask him to do. St. John chapter 5 and verse 14 says if we believe that God hears us when we make our petitions to him, then we have those things that we say because we believe. The third point I want to make is that you have to believe in the authority that you have through Christ Jesus. Earlier I said that you have a the power of attorney. But guess what? If you don't ever do anything with it, then nothing's ever going to get done. Am I right or wrong? Talk to me. What's the point of you having the power of attorney if you can't do anything with it? Or you won't do anything with it? A good friend of mine just, you know, gave me papers that, to be her power of attorney. Over all of her sisters and everybody else. She says, I only trust it in your hands. Now, I don't have to do anything with it because she's still with us. But if something were to happen to her where she can't think for herself, she's entrusting it to me. And then I have to act. Jesus has gone to heaven. He's sitting on the right hand of God the Father. And he has entrusted his authority and his power to you. Now, what are you going to do with it? Nobody in here is too old and nobody in here is too young. That you cannot be used by God to take authority and to take a stand against that which is evil and against that which destroys people. And as a nation, we need to come together and we need to become one great big old huge coalition and we need to say, now enough's enough. And we have the power to change lives and to affect change.
God bless you.